We're going to look in Luke, the 14th chapter of Luke. Luke 14, we're going to start our reading at verse number 15. I'm going to read much in your hearing tonight, this afternoon, excuse me. Luke 14 and 15, it says, And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus, then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servants at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must need to go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yokes of oxen, and I go to prove them. Pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore cannot come, so that serving came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. There's a story of a church that had begun to do a great work in outreach ministry. And they had been having so much success that they found it necessary to buy an additional building. This building was named the Place of Salvation because that was their method, that was their motive, was to win the loss for Christ. The building wasn't much to look at. It's basically a four-squared building. No furniture whatsoever. But there was room to put some cots in case someone needed to get inside from the cold weather, from the rain. And so they purchased this building. They, they put cots in there, and they, they, they had a table that they could sit down and that they could talk to the people and, and, and give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they had so much success. And donations had begun to pour in to so help support the mission. 
And someone had the bright idea of like, these people deserve better than this. Let, let, let us fix this place up. And they, exactly what they did, they began to bring in nice bed, bring, begin to put it, bring in nice lights and recess lights and, and, and stuff that would greatly help bless the community. The problem of the whole thing is that they had fixed it up so nice that they stopped bringing in those ones for fear that they would make it dirty. And I'm afraid that that's what's happening in the church today. We become so pretty and so fixed up and so nice to the point to where we don't want to bring in those ones who are of lower class. We don't want to bring in the disenfranchised. We don't want to bring in those ones who are, who are outcast, those who are downtrodden, because we're afraid they might mess up our sanctuary. They, they, they might not knock over a nice piece of artifact that maybe we have. Or maybe they might leave a smell in the, in the building. So we don't want to bring those folk in. But understand, those are the folk that Jesus tells us that we are to bring in. Because, because the folk that we've been looking to come in and looking to be a part of the ministry have woefully rejected it. And that's really what this whole passage of scripture is about. And thus you have the title of my message, an invitation rejected. The invitation has been extended. God has extended an invitation to not just clean upstanding folk. Because an invitation is a formal request, a plea. It is inclusive. I'm having a function, and I want you to be a part of the function that I'm having. The church has become exclusive in some regards, to the point to where if people are not looking like us, doing things like us, we have a tendency to want to exclude them. Now listen, let, 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 let me stop. Let me stop for a moment because I need to encourage you. I want to encourage you today because what I am seeing from you and from this church is a shift in the atmosphere. I am seeing it. I'm seeing people who are ready and eager to roll up their sleeves and get the work done. I'm seeing it. But there's yet still some work that needs to be done. There's still some work that needs to be done in terms of how we handle each other. Because you'll never be able to handle those from without until you learn how to handle each other inside the church. And so, and so quite naturally, I began to look at that thing, and God sent to me a young man, Kyle Sammy, with an idea of us coming together inside of here and doing some things amongst ourselves. Learning how to, to relate with each other. Because all of us have our differences, right? All of us have our different value systems. So be ready for it because there's going to be a ministry that's going to come forth. 
that's going to be looking at how we relate to one another, how we love one another. And I'm seeing it. I really am. I'm seeing that love. I'm feeling that love. But this, these are the areas that we really need. If we can't love each other, how are you going to love them outside of the church? If, if we can't put up with one another, you certainly won't be able to pull up with them. If you can't, if you, if you can't love folk that are lovable, how are you going to love the unlovable? You see, it's a whole different ball game. Loving those who cannot love you back. And so, and so Jesus in this, in this passage of scripture, and we have to go back to the beginning to really get the full context of it. Because even though this is an invitation that is given, Jesus is really beginning to show these people, these religious people, what they really look like. He's about to call them on the carpet, on their behavior. And it starts that Jesus is invited to a ruler of the Pharisees' house. This is what starts this whole discourse about this invitation. Because Jesus received an invitation to come to this Pharisee's house. But understand that everybody does not invite Jesus to their house for the same reasons. This Pharisee was not invited Jesus because he wanted to partake in conversation with him. Understand the fact that most times when the Pharisees came to Jesus, it was all about a setup. They wanted to set him up. Because look at verse number one. It tells us that, that, that it says, and it came to pass as he went into the house of the one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day, they watched him. Now, 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 that word in the Greek that they watched him was that they were looking with an eye of scrutinization. They want to scrutinize everything that he said and everything that he did. The reason why is because he invited him on the Sabbath. This is a whole big setup here. Because not only did they invite Jesus to this feast, they invited a man that they would not ordinarily invite to something like this. The text tells us that they invited a man with the dropsies. And if you know anything about dropsies, dropsies is an inflammation disease. It's where inflammation sets up in your joints. And it's caused by too much water in the body. It causes you to swell. And in particularly, the face. Understand that this was, this was actually comes from congenital heart failure. So in other words, there was something wrong with this man's heart that caused him to swell like he did. And say, they invite Jesus, they invite this man. The reason being because they knew that Jesus could not see this man in the condition he was in and not do something about it. They, they, they had no problem with Jesus healing the man. The problem came that he healed him on the Sabbath. And not understanding that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. That, 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 that you have misinterpreted what the, that the Sabbath day really means. And so Jesus asked him the question. He said, is it lawful for a person to heal on the Sabbath? There was silence. They, they, they knew better than to challenge Jesus on this. 
And so the Bible says that Jesus healed the man and sent him on his way. And then Jesus takes this opportunity after healing this man to further show them how bad they had fallen away from grace. This is the Jewish nation. This is the people that God had come to first. These are the same people that God entrusted his word to. It's the same group of people that the Messiah came down through his, their lineage. But yet they had fallen away from God. They had become puffed up and proud. And one of the biggest hindrances to evangelism is a proud heart, a haughty spirit. Because usually what ends up happening is, is that you begin to look down on people rather than helping people. And it's not about shaming anybody. It's not about looking down on anybody. Everyone in the body of Christ should be looking to help somebody. We go through our lives. We don't really concern ourselves with anybody else but us and our families. But it's more than your family that need to be saved. It's more than your family that needs a helping hand. And so he shows them. They were really only concerned about themselves. They, they, they were the religious elite. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin court, they were concerned about themselves. They were very religious, very pious. You know anybody like that? Just religious. Not, not, not really spiritual, just religious. I religiously come to church. I religiously pay my tithes. I can religiously wave my hand and say, Lord, thank you. But it doesn't mean nothing if it's not from the heart. If your heart has not been changed, if your heart has not been transformed, how in the world are you going to try and get anybody else saved? We, 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 we drive out of here, we leave this building, we drive out of here. We drive right past a lot of people who need to receive the gospel message. Who need to hear the gospel preached. And so the church needs to come down off its high horse. We need to start letting this affect us. There ought to be a burden for the loss. There ought to be something that prompts us to want to just stop and share the gospel with somebody. We live next door to neighbors that we've not shared the gospel with. We have co-workers that we've never shared the gospel with. And as I said before, I begin to look at this thing and I, I say, God, why is it that we will not share the gospel? Because a lot of times we know that we're not living up to that. And there, there, there's sometimes we don't invite people to, to the church because we're afraid that they might Tell on us. 
They, they, they might be honest and tell the truth. But, but, but it's okay. Because God wants to get the glory out of your life. One of the first things that you need to identify and let people know is that, listen, I'm just like you. I was born and shaped in iniquity. I was a sinner on my way to hell before God reached out and touched me. And I still am prone to sin. Absolutely. I'm still in this flesh. I still have problems. And if you push me the right way, you might catch a few. I'm just joking. I was never a fighter. <laughs> but you understand where I'm coming from. I still have my issues. Still have my problems. The difference between myself and, and some of you is that we know that. And we've learned how to humble ourselves. Well, these Pharisees were not like that. Because Jesus begins to go on and, and, and to really explain to them the etiquettes of being or going into someone's house invited. You see, because these Pharisees wanted to take the place of honor. They were quickly to run to the, to the first seat of honor. And Jesus told, tells them that, 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 that you shouldn't do that. Because someone might come in that's more honorable than you are. And then right there in the front of everybody, he's going to ask you to step down. Hallelujah. So he says, take the lowest seat. What Jesus is really saying, he says, hey, have an act of humility. Go, 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 go in low. Keep your head down. Get, get, get your head out the clouds. Stop, stop looking to be served by other people. Come in wanting to serve and help out somebody else. As a matter of fact, Paul puts it like this. He said that we are to prefer, prefer others greater than us. Come on now, come on now, come on, come on, come on. You mean I'm to esteem others better than me? Got a little quiet. Absolutely, that's what he's saying here. here here's what he's, he's promoting a servant-like attitude. That, that, that's what he's saying. All of us need to be in a position of servitude. I don't care what your position is. I don't care what your title is. Everyone in the body of Christ exercises a servant's attitude. And I know that I am a servant of God. No more, no less. I'm his servant. And I realize that. Listen here, not only am I his servant, but I'm your servant. I'm here to serve you. That, that, that's my role, is to be a blessing to you, to serve you in whatever capacity that God deems fit. 
How dare I get my head in the clouds and say, well, hey, I'm the pastor, so no, 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 no. I'm a servant of the Most High God. These guys didn't get it. They, they, they want to have honor. They want to have a place, the prime seat. They wanted people to look at them and to lift them and say, oh, look how, how, how righteous they are. And that they were, but they were self-righteous. Righteous in their own sight. Be careful where you stand lest you fall. Be, be, be careful when you start speaking yourself up and start patting yourself on your back. Be careful. Because God can't use you when you do that. God, God's not using any puffed up, proud individual to give his glory. As a matter of fact, what God will do is knock you down a peg or two. And there ain't nothing like being knocked down by God. Especially when there's some work to be done. So here we see that there's a banquet. Jesus began to explain to them that there is a great banquet that's going to happen. A great banquet that is going to be held by the Lord himself. He is the master of the banquet. He is the giver of the banquet. And so in the 15th verse of this 14th chapter, there's a man in the crowd that spoke up and said, and when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. They recognized the blessing of being in the kingdom of God, but yet they were far from it. Verse 16, he says, then said he unto them, a certain man made a great supper and bade many, and he sent his servant at supper time to say unto them that were bidden, come for all things are not ready. So what he's saying is that this, this master of the banker had sent an invitation inviting these special guests to come to this banquet. Nowhere does it say that they had to pay any money. They didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to offer up anything. All they had to do is come when he said come. That's all they had to do. All the food had been paid for. The wine had been paid for. Everything had been set. But yet when it came time for them to come to the banquet, the Bible said they started making excuses. And how many of us have been invited to something and we've made excuses the reason why we couldn't go? First and foremost, if it's someplace you really want to go, you don't make no excuses. But understand that they're inviting people to come to church. They have many excuses. And a lot of them are the same excuses that we see right here. The first one made the excuse because of a business decision. It was a business decision that he, 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 uh, he, he gave. Where he says that I have bought a piece of ground and I need to go and look at it. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I've never bought a house without looking at it first. This seems to be a little bit backwards here. That, that, that just goes to show the fickleness of this excuse. The reality of it is, is that they really didn't want to come in the first place. And be careful when you, when you use work or, or, or the accomplishments that you want to do in your objectives as an excuse not to come and worship God. Be, be, be careful when you start working on days that you should be in church. I, I know that occasionally that'll happen. I know it'll happen sometimes. But be, be careful because before you know it, you'll find yourself without a job. Because God knows how to get you back to where you need to be at. But these, 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 men, these people here thought Jesus was crazy. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta prove my oxen. I gotta prove, I gotta prove that they, that, that they work. How many of us bought an automobile and didn't test it out first? It's the same concept. The maximum effective range of excuse is zero. If you're in the military, you know what I'm talking about. That means excuses are not accepted. We all have our excuses as to why we don't do what God has for us to do. And I'm going to tell you the first thing, I, I, I'm not exempt from that. I know that there's some things that God told me to do. And just like Moses, I found every type of excuse I could find to not do what God told me to do. You, you, you remember Moses, right? When God told Moses to go back to Egypt and to tell him to let my people go, the first thing that Moses began to do is make excuses. Say, God, I got a stuttering tongue. Well, Moses, I didn't hear you stuttering before you, you, you came up to me. I, I didn't hear no stuttering. But understand that God can fix every circumstance, every situation. He can take away every excuse that you have. But these people rejected it. And then the last one said that I just married a bride. I can't come. Oh my God, it seemed like that would be the best place for a reception, right? You can get a free reception. Just go to the banquet. Understand that this is inclusive. This, this is, what this represents, this represents eternal life is what it does. So, so what he was inviting them to was a relationship with God. That's what he's inviting them to. He's like, listen, God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to have a relationship with us. And God is always, always Inviting, he's always extending the invitation to you. He said, Listen, just come in. All of your hurts, all of your fears, I'll take care of them. Just come on in. All of your past failures, I'll do away with them. Just come on in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, 
and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. But it's about accepting the invitation. Did you not know? Did you? He said that if he opened the door, the handle is on the inside. He's inviting you, but you must open the door. You, you, you must submit yourself to the invitation. You must, you, you must give yourself to him. And so, and so, in respect to the church, we need to do like this man did, this certain man did. Because there are those who were rejected, and there are those who have rejected. And we keep going back to the same folk that have been rejecting the message. May not be the exact same people, but the same type of people that are constantly rejecting it. And we need to start going to the ones he listed in this text. The ones who are poor, the ones who are maimed, the ones who have halt, go to the blind. These are the ones that have been rejected by society. We keep going to those ones that have rejected the gospel message, and we need to go to the ones that have been rejected by society. But for whatever reason, we don't want those kind of folk in our church. If they came in here now and sat next to you, what would be your response? How would you handle it? Would you take out your perfume and go Would you make sure that there's space between you that they, they, they didn't touch you? Listen, this is critical. Because these people need us as a church. They, they, they need what God has given us for them. And so we need to get our minds right when it comes to this. And that's why I challenge you. Listen, let, 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 after this evangelism class, we're going to put together a plan. I, I, I got some ideas that God has given me in terms of evangelism. And let me, let me warn you right now, it's not going door to door. That's, that, that's not what I'm talking about. But there's some other ways that we can be effective in evangelism. Understanding, we need to warm up to the fact of these people. We, we, need, we need to learn how to love these people. But it's going to come and start with a decision from you. Because understand that God never looked down his nose on you. And we know he had every reason to do so. Because you understand that the very sin that you sin stinks in the nostrils of God. But God keep on forgiving you. Keeps on forgiving you. You sin after sin after sin, but God keeps forgiving us. And I don't understand it. I really don't. But Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your mercy, God. 
Because I know when I was lost in my sin, it was difficult to get through to this right here. God had to change that stony heart that I had and give me a heart of flesh. Because the benefit of accepting the invitation is that God washes away all of your sin. I, I don't care how gross test the sin is, how great the sin is. God forgives it. And I, and I know, I know, I know a lot of us, you know, want to hold on to, to this judgment and, and judging. No, no, God forgives the repentant sinner. The one that comes and say, I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me for my sin. God forgives that person. And not only does he forgive you, but he washes away the guilt. There's no more guilt. No more guilty stain on us. So I can walk in his sanctification. I can walk in his justification. I can walk as that as if I never sinned before. Because that's what he comes to do for us. That's what he comes to offer us. And then there's consequences for rejecting what God has done. And the consequences are eternal. Don't you leave here. Don't you leave at earth. Don't you close your eyes. Whatever you do, just keep on breathing. If you have not accepted Christ as your Savior. The Bible says that it's not God's will that any man should perish. But that all men might be saved. It's God's will that you be saved. Today. Don't harden your heart. This is a prime opportunity for you to give your life to Christ. This is a prime opportunity for you to surrender to the power of his Holy Spirit. Because there's nothing but grace and abundance on the other side of salvation. When you reject it, God has no other recourse. As we talked in Sunday school today, but to give you over to your own deprived way of thinking, a reprobate mind. But even in him giving us over to a, giving over to a reprobate mind, God is still working. He's still trying to get your attention. The Bible tells us that the heart is wicked, that is desperately wicked. Who can know it? We all were born into this deprived state. But hallelujah for God's word. What it done in my life. What it's done in your life. How it saved us. And gave us a right to the tree of life. And we can have eternal life with Christ. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking for eternal life. I'm looking to, to be reunited with God in heaven. And I want to take as many folk as I can with me based upon the testimony of that Jesus died for your sin on a cross on Calvary. Yeah. 
that he gave his life for you, that he gave his life for me. That's what it actually took. It actually took death in order to give us life. The good news is that it's not your death that is required here. It was the death of his son. He willingly, listen here, he willingly died for you. No one took his life. No one made him do it. He willingly gave it to you. Why? Because he loved you. He loved you so much that he wants to spend eternity with you. And so, yes, he came down and he, he suffered blood and died on an old rugged cross. They nailed him in his hands and nailed him in his feet. Pierced him in his side. Put a crown of thorns on his head. And yes, on that cross he died. But understand that before he died, all of your sin were poured out on him. God didn't leave nothing for you. He gave it all to Jesus. He poured out all of your sin on Jesus. Both past, present, and future sins. He paid the price. He died. He was buried in a bald man's tomb. He stayed there Friday, Saturday, but early Sunday morning, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. Because my faith in that, because I believe that by faith, Satan can't do nothing with me. Why? Because I'm under the power and authority of a loving God. I'm under his divine protection. And everything that Satan comes up me with, I'm able to endure it. Because I have this relationship. I did not reject it. I accepted the invitation to come in. And that's my plea this morning. Accept his invitation to come in. Stop rejecting it and accept it. Jesus rose. He's sitting at the right hand side of the Father making intercession for us. Right now, Jesus is praying for somebody in this room that you'll get right with God. That you'll come and give him your life. That you'll surrender to him. And let him have control of your life. That's what he desires to do. He's coming back. And I want to be ready. I will be ready. Ain't no want to be. I will be ready for when he comes back. I, I, I wake up every morning looking for Jesus to come any moment now. Why? Because I'm ready. My bags are packed. I'm ready. To live eternal with him. That's what I'm looking for. I don't know what you're looking for. But that's what I'm looking for. Thank and praise God. Don't reject the invitation. Please stand to your feet. Is there one? This is what's known as Christian, Christian invitation. You are being invited to come to Christ. If you have not been saved, and what I mean by that, if you have not trusted God with your life, if you have not given over to God, if you have not surrendered to God, listen here, if you're still letting the devil beat you up, because he knows how to do that, everything that you're encountering, every pitfall that you're going coming up against you, did you not know that is your opportunity to come to Christ? To give God your life. Amen.
This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. If you're already saved and you're looking for a church home, you're looking somewhere where you can be used by God, why don't you give us a try? Our objective is to use everyone in this church for God's glory. It does not matter how old you are. It does not matter how young you are. God has a plan for your life. And that's what God is doing, is unfolding plans for our lives. Is there another? You can come by Christian experience, a candidate for baptism. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord.